This is episode 22 of the Jain Sutras Recitals on Edward Reeb's Buddhist Books podcast. Noise pollution today provided by this guy who's right outside. Um, this might be a good time to um, espouse, is that the right word? My Chikung philosophy. I'll explain. When I was about three or four years old, I grew quite accustomed to, you know, as I was playing outside or whatever, I would hear inside the sound of my dad meditating, which quite often would go something like, Oh, God damn it, when are they going to stop with the fucking weed whacker? Or the lawnmower, or the jackhammer, or the trash truck, whatever it was, some big mechanical sound would... Uh, would interfere with his meditation and his ability to find inner peace and serenity. So uh, in my three or four year old brain, I processed this and I was always trying to learn from, you know, not just the example, but the mistakes of my parents, especially my father. And uh, so I came up with this thought. It went like this. My dad's word is OM, but my word is CHAKUNG. And what does that mean? Well, that means later my mom told me that CHAKUNG was my word for when the air conditioner would turn on or when there'd be some sound outside. And this was in the time before I was putting words together, so it might have been even before I was three. Um, but I knew, I remembered that there was more to Chikung. Chikung meant that it was time to meditate. It was time to sing along with the noise pollution, with the urban sounds, with the uh, whatever it is, the mechanical noises that my dad found so intolerable and so incompatible with meditation. And then as I grew and uh, started to listen to, you know, those Tibetan bells by Henry Wolfe and Nancy Jennings, um, you know, and things like that. And I would notice they'd get to those parts where they'd be like, you know, the clattering, the drums, the... And I'd think, how odd is it that a person like my dad can be in a meditative state and hear these sounds and just think, you know, just kind of groove with it and be like... Yes, yes, this is part of it. This is part of the, the tantra of it, you know, or whatever, you know. And yet the trash truck, nope, nope, mm -mm, that's a unspiritual, unnatural, mundane, man-made sound. So perhaps in a similar way that a person might become a masochist in order to process emotional pain and power dynamics at work and at home and, you know, whatever it is. I uh, perhaps did that very thing in, uh, in the development of, uh, of my four-year-old um, Chikung philosophy. So if you'll join me, let's turn up the noise pollution. Isn't that nice? Okay, now together. <coughs> Chikung! All right. Now we're immune to the annoyance, in theory. Let's uh, jump in right where we left off after I say a few words. Um, first of all, this episode is brought to you by... 
that's um, cats and a cow and some goats singing Angelo Battle of Mentees, Twin Peaks theme. You click there for the whole thing later, later, after we're finished with this episode. So, uh, if this is your first time seeing me, click here instead. That'll take you to the very beginning of the podcast, the very beginning of the series. Hello to those who are hearing me and not seeing me. I'm, of course, when I say click here, talking to the people on YouTube. And I appreciate you listening on your commute or your jog or wherever you're listening. There are some episodes that are more visual, and I'll, of course, point those out to you so that when you have time, if you'd like, you can check those out. I don't think today's going to be one of those. I held up a Twin Peaks cup. That's what you missed. Um, and for those of you who are here for the Jainism, but perhaps a little confused because it says Buddhist books, Jain sutras, and aren't these two different things, click here. That'll take you to the Jain sutras playlist on the Buddhist books podcast and uh, start with episode one, that'll explain everything, and then you can start rolling from there. All right, let's pick up right where we left off. If you remember last time we were talking about how compassion is not the same as attachment, so it's okay to protect uh, an innocent creature or a person from harm, even when you're in the middle of your meditation, you can stop your meditation to do an act of compassion, and that's not the same as attachment. <clears throat> yeah, all right. Let's go. <clears throat> the debate can go further that since the aspirant exists in a mundane context, he cannot be so detached as to extend compassion without any attachment. Only great souls have reached that level. They may argue that only great souls have reached that level. They may argue. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, but... So, anyway, my answer to this is that even if such a contention is justified, what is the harm in it? It is not a cause for downfall. Rather, it is cause for a rise of meritorious karmas. So if you see someone in need and you think, oh, I should give them, you know, some food because they're hungry. But then you think to yourself, ah, but would I not be just virtue signaling, feeding my own ego, making myself feel better about the uh, economic disparity between us by giving this person food? I'm not going to give them food. I'm going to stay on the path of righteousness and just walk on by. No. Bad. Give them the food. And if you feel a little bit of an ego boost, just try to keep it under control. It's okay. Let yourself feel it. Integrate the shadow. This isn't Jainism talking. This is uh, someone else. Anyway, all right. These auspicious karmas bring about well-being in the present and future lives. The Tirtankaras have also attained their status by these meritorious karmas. Svajam also means that which is commendable. Com condemnable. Svajam also means that which is condemnable. Like condemn. Anyway, so those actions that are condemnable must be shunned in Samayika. Samayika is a pure spiritual practice. Those tendencies which dull or taint the soul are nothing but passion. 
actions colored by passions of anger, pride, delusion, and greed are sinful. Thus, one must learn to distinguish between actions guided by passions and those devoid of them. Only actions such as worshipping the Arihantas and Siddhas that aid in equanimity, in reducing the flow of passions, expanding one's knowledge, respecting teachers, meditation, compassion for living beings are worth carrying out. To understand the deeper implication of any truth, one must learn to be impartial and simple. Only then can one reach the depths of spiritual and philosophical thought. Thus, it is not an action or tendency which is sinful, but the passions of attachment or aversion underlying those actions which lead to sin. If these are replaced in the aspirant's heart by pure and simple thoughts, there can be no sin of any kind. Can you guys see this? Yeah. Black as midnight on a moonless night. Sometimes when I, when I have my hot spot on and I'm out in public, it's fun to overhear people going, Special Agent Dale Cooper, <laughs> because that's the name of my hot spot, you know. And uh, if you're a Twin Peaks fan, it might only take you three or four guesses to guess my password. Fortunately, there aren't too many of those around here trying to hack into people's hotspots. Can I use your hotspot? Anyway, sort of a modern pickup line robot thing. Anyway, next section, the duration of Samayika. Much has been said about the duration of Samayika in the previous chapters. The phrase Java Niyamam in the Pratinya Sutra means until the regime exists. Oh, it's driving away. Oh, how exciting. I wonder if it's just moving over there and it's going to do the same thing it's been doing just like a few meters, as we say, outside the... Well, we'll see. Anyway, okay, until the regime exists. So once we get rid of Xi Jinping and them, then you can stop meditating. I'm just kidding. It's just the first regime that came to mind. Therefore, after uttering Java Niyamam, one must mention the number of Samayikas one wants to do. Not do, do. Do, do. Anyway, Anumodam, allowance for sinful action of others. Okay. I did, this was the one I was talking about how it, it's the the, uh, the sex stuff that the monks aren't supposed to do, but it's okay for the householder. I think uh, the householder's not supposed to lust. Obviously, you know, for anyone but his wife. But I think this is one of those things, like if you've seen the, Like Water for Chocolate, how they have that blanket with the little hole in it. And when they're, when they're going to do procreation time, then he says a little prayer. Let, let there be no lust in my heart, O Lord, as I do this 
gross, disgusting, carnal activity in order to procreate only, not for pleasure, you know, and then they do their best not to enjoy it. That might be where they're, they're coming from with their householders. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, Alan Watts had a lot to say about when you put that much repression on something, that it just kind of in a certain kind of kinky way becomes more enjoyable, which is why you have, like, the phenomenon of the, the, the very naughty, um, you know, like, you know, have you seen the craft? Well, anyway. Um, yes. During Samayika, the householder is not... So, okay, just to finish the thought, I think the three things that the monks aren't supposed to do, but it's okay for the householder. The monks aren't supposed to tolerate sinful activities going on around them. But the householder is supposed to just kind of let it, let it slide. I think. Let's see what it says. Um, during Samayika, the householder is neither permitted to commit sinful actions nor ask others to do them. However, his Samayika has the leniency of the three Bangas, which are acceptance by body, mind, and speech for sinful actions committed by others. The question arises that when all sinful actions are shunned in Samayika, how they can be open to allowance or acceptance by the householder? It is important to understand that the householder is not allowed to approve of sinful actions, which can be avoided. So why is he allowed to be lenient towards sinful actions committed by others? Like if, the, if your partner's enjoying it, then you're not supposed to say, hey, stop enjoying it, I imagine, maybe, perhaps. No. So why, okay, the reason is that the householder has one foot in this world and the other on the path to liberation. He cannot renounce all worldly activities. Therefore, when he sits in Samayika for 48 minutes, mind you, he cannot completely give up all his worldly concerns. He may not praise worldly activities, such as actions that take place at home or at work. But since he is yet attached in a subtle way to all the worldly activities, the three bangas of, our, of acceptance are permitted. This has been explained well in Bhagavati Sutra. Is that the same as Bhagavad Sutra? All right. Okay, then it goes on to the next section. So it can kind of, we can leave it to our imagination. Like if, uh, if a, a father, a householder, you know, um, has a 14-year-old son who's like surfing the internet in a shady way with his door locked while he's meditating. He may not approve of whatever is going on in there. Uh, and he did not ask his son to do that. But he's going to let it slide, and that does not mess, mess up his meditation. But if a monk is meditating and something similar is going on, then the monk will go in and say, you must stop this or leave. I cannot have this going on in the monastery while I'm existing for the rest of my life. More than 48 minutes. Something like that. Or perhaps greed. Someone might have a job, right? And the, uh, he works in an office, and that office, you know, is a law firm that, uh, you know, uh, deals in frivolous, you know, whatever, this kind of thing. That, that there, there's shady stuff going on at work. But the man goes into the break room and does his meditation. 
He's not going to walk in, storm in on his boss and say, we need to be a more ethical company or else I quit. You know, like, it's saying, yeah, yeah, it's okay to let greed go on, you know, in your immediate environment while you're doing your 48 minutes of meditation. You can come up with other examples. Those are just the first two that came to mind for me. In fact, let's sit and come up with examples for a while. No, you can do this on your own. Yeah. Nindami, criticism of one's sins. The term nindami means I admonish. So, thank you. Whom does one admonish? Yeah. Clang, clang. Oh, how, who, so whom does one admonish? How does one admonish? Whether one condemns oneself or another, both are considered as sins. Okay, you don't admonish, right? Self-admonishment causes dullness and self-pity. That's, this is getting interesting. And often self-denouncement as well. Therefore, it is not a righteous activity, it is a sin. My dad wrote in his book, Transformations, that uh, humility is often pride in drag. Now, before you cancel me, he was writing in 1976, and I realized that his words are dated. They have not aged well. There's poetry from the 60s that's worse than that. But anyway, no. Um, I think, I mean, it doesn't still exist, the phenomenon of, like, the drag show, I, they still exist, right? Where it's like people go and have fun and the whole thing is that, hey, these are like big muscular men with wigs on and they're singing like Madonna or lip syncing and that's separate, right? From a transsexual who their identity we're supposed to say she and all that, right? Am I wrong? Uh, if I'm wrong, please, please forgive me. I'm an old man. Um, not, not an excuse, just an explanation. Anyway, I'm not defending my dad's choice of words. But it fits with, uh, I mean, it just sort of fits with what they're saying. Anyway, not to tread on sensitive areas. All right, I might lose one or two subscribers off this one. It's okay. Go in peace. Okay. Um, yes. There is no doubt that criticizing others is even worse. Ah, therefore, it is, if it is not a religious activity, it is a sin. Right. Therefore, uh, there is no doubt that criticizing others is even worse. Can acts of loathing, looking down upon, and hurting another with words of criticism be anything but sinful? Why must be, what must be understood is that in this context... Nindami does not imply admonishing oneself or another. Rather, it refers to condemning sinful conduct and sins. One must severely admonish the wrongdoings of the self. Okay. Uh, this is a form of repentance. Okay. So I think this is like hate the sin, not the sinner. So it's saying admonish the wrongdoings of yourself but do not admonish yourself alright um, 
Anyway, and repentance is considered the flame which can extinguish the grime of sin which exists in the self. Just as gold glitters when burnt in the fire, the soul is illuminated by the fire of repentance. Therefore, one must condemn the passions associated with the self. You know, the best part of beating your head against the wall feels so good when you stop. You can hear the birds and the honking again. Anyway, in Samayika, the aspirant moves towards self-transformation. Yes, thank you. When the soul is influenced by right vision, right knowledge, right conduct, and austerities, it undergoes transformation that brings it closer to itself. This is known as Svabhava Parinati, or self-transformation, vision faith, knowledge, and conduct are qualities of the self. Therefore, by worshipping one, bleh, by worshipping them, one is worshipping the self. Only when the soul realizes its pure form, it will become immortal. Obviously, right? Okay. Coolness is the very nature of water. Oh, that coolness. But when water is brought into contact with fire, it becomes hot and adopts qualities opposed to its natural quality. So also, the soul which is compassionate and content in itself becomes angry and greedy when brought into contact with passions and karmas and changes from svabhava to vibhava. This change is what is known as the samsara, or world. Remember samsara, the samsara is dukkha? Anyway, in samayika, one must condemn the vibhava, parinati, or those actions which are apart from the self. That which is not the self is the non-self. This is the enemy, which must be shunned. Self-admonishment is a sure method to wash the sinful blemishes that have accumulated in the soul. By this, one feels repentance, which leads to renunciation of worldly desires. As renunciation deepens, the aspirant moves higher on the ladder of conduct. This helps to annihilate the mohaniya karmas. As soon as that happens, the soul attains its pristine state. Next section, admonishment should not lead to grief. In the process of self-admonishment, one must take care that it leads to feelings of repentance and not grief. Repentance gives strength to the soul while grief weakens the soul. In grief, there is an absence of courage and duty. Without courage and duty, the aspirant cannot evolve either in this material world or in the spiritual world. The insight to Garihama. Aspirants desirous of spiritual understanding must use Garihami 
of Garihami, not Hama, uh, must use Garihami along with Nandami. This concept is an unparalleled gift of Jainism to the spiritual world. Generally, people think of Ninda and Garha as one, but there is a clear difference. An aspirant sitting in isolation and condemning his sinful deeds is finding fault, or Ninda. When he sits before the master, or another individual and condemns his sinful deeds and repents through body, mind, and speech. Then uh, he is then conquering his ego as he openly confesses his sins, as I often do to all you folk. Thank you. Anyway, this is known as Garha. It is with this thought in mind that Akarya Nami, the commentator of Prati Kramana Sutra says, Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. Just kidding. Nindami jugupsamiyarta garhamiti cha sa ivarta kintu atma saksiki ninda guru saksiki garheti para excuse me, para saksiki gahati vakanat. That comes from Pratikramana Sutra Pada Vivrit Samayika Sutra. Garha is a great spiritual practice that makes life pure. Garha needs greater strength of the self to practice than Ninda. A person may repent a person may repent and regret in isolation, but to do so before others is not an easy task. Hello, my name is Edward and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Edward. There are many who would prefer to consume poison rather than accept defame. I'm making reference to never. The thought of ill repute silences even the most dedicated of aspirants. But those who can face it will never tread the sinful path again, unless they fall off the wagon. Garha is a vow to never sin again. Pavanam kamanam akaranaye. In Lord Mahavir's path, there is no place for secrecy and embarrassment. Sounds like a double-edged sword to me. Anyway, the path of Garha helps us to overcome secrecy and face ourselves truly. Shunning the contaminated soul is the name of the next section, which we will get to. Uh, no, let's finish this. We're almost done with this section. Shunning the contaminated soul. The last phrase of, Pratij of Pratinya Sutra is Apanam Vosirami, which means that one must renounce the soul or give up oneself. One may ask how this is possible at all. Can the soul or self ever be renounced? And if the soul is renounced, what remains? The answer is that here to give up the self means to give up the life full of sins. Akarya Nami says, Atmanam equals Atita Savadhyayoga hyphen 
karinam equals asladyam dot 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 vyutsurjami that came from the for the same thing as the previous thing that I wasn't pronouncing very well such are the lofty insights of Jainism exclamation point it gives us with the great ideal of giving up the old battered life and adopting a new pure and fresh life Lord Mahavir says that Samayika is not just an austerity of changing one's apparel it alters one's life therefore before reaching the seat of Samayika the aspirant must empty his mind of worldly passions and desires and adopt a new spiritual life it is necessary to kill the previous life of desires oh good it's back um if one carries the burdens of old evils during the practice of samayika what benefit can one find if pure milk is poured into a contaminated vessel it becomes impure this great insight of jainism something about wineskins is the one that echoes the phrase apanam votsirami Pratinya Sutra is the breath of Jainism. Samayika is a spiritual exercise, which even if undertaken for a short duration has long-lasting effects. Just as a morning walk keeps us fresh and fit for the entire day, the spiritual exercise of Samayika keeps our mental tendencies clean and evolved for the day and much longer. In the duration of samayika, we develop the habit of moving away from the external world and focusing on the self. The meaning of samayika is to become one with the self and adopt equanimity. Akarya Pujapada says in the commentary of Tatvarta Sutra, <clears throat> "Sam," end quote, "ekibave vartate." Tad yata sangatam gurtam sangatam tayilamiyukyate ekibhutamiti gamyate ekatvena ayanam equals gamanam samaya samaya eva samayikam samaya prayojanamasyeti va virya samayikam that came from the sarvarti sita 7/21 <clears throat> make sure that the melodious music of spiritual practice never fades out or stops true joy is in development and evolution of the self and that concludes the sutra that the yes the pratinya sutra so hope you enjoyed it and uh yeah nothing really uh popping into my mind that is uh needing to come out of my mouth so i will go ahead and close as we are over the 30 minute mark now anyway and we will pick up where we left off 
tomorrow or the next day with the next sutra, and perhaps there will be a little bit less noise pollution. We shall see. Um, I don't know why, I, mean, I normally like to make these surprises, but in the relatively near future, I'm going to be in a place called Gang Talk. I don't know if I pronounced it correctly, but if uh, future Edward is in line with my thoughts right now, then he's showing you a few pictures, and now we're back on my face, right? Anyway, um, so yeah, I'm going to be there. And, uh, you know, when I went to Bodh Gaya, I had these big, these big ideas about how I was going to be at the temple and, uh, you know, do a reading. And I did. I was at the butterfly park next door to the temple, and you could see the temple behind me. That's great. I'm not going to have any such grand, grandiose visions. I, I kind of got over that in uh, Andaman, where I was thinking I'd have the ocean behind me when I did my reading, and I ended up just doing it at the hotel. Um, so, I don't know. We'll see what those are like. Um, that's coming up in a couple weeks. And also Darjeeling, where the Darjeeling tea comes from. But the reason I bring it up is I think there'll be less noise pollution when we're doing those episodes. That's Delhi. Delhi, sing, sing to me, Delhi. All right. Isn't it, isn't it wonderful? After I, uh, after I close this, I'm going to be putting on one of those Light Academia um, YouTube channels. Okay. <clears throat> to the north and to the south, to the east and to the west, to the spirits of light among us and the spirits below, we send out our reverent love and compassion. May all beings be happy. May all beings be serene. May all beings be in peace. Until next time.